Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from April 16th, 1983, taped on April 13th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, and joining me this week, as he does each and every week, he is a menace to society. Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I am doing great, the great Brian Lass. But I got a bone to pick with you, sir. Um, I'm getting a lot of tweets. When is this show going to drop, Mike? What's going on? And I just wanted to say, you're causing me a lot of angst and pain. And I just can't. I don't produce this thing, so I don't control that. But can you just let the people know out there that piece of this equation? This is... This is on the Arcadian Vanguard Network, and it is obviously one of my favorite networks because I am on it, but it's not a BTT production. So, you know, just so that my 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 palate can be cleansed and my mind can be freed, could you just could you just let the people know that I have nothing to do with that? Well, let me yeah, let me clarify to the people. There are obviously many, many shows on the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network, and I work with many, many hosts and co-hosts and various personalities from the wrestling business. And there is no bigger diva than Mike Mills. There is no one more difficult to work with on a weekly basis than Mike Mills. There are days I spend hours sitting on Skype waiting for him, waiting well past the time we agreed to start recording. Where's Mike Mills? No one knows. Is he at the bar? Is he at the library? Is he down at the ball field? No one knows. And it's taking all of that into the equation And trying to find a way to put together this cohesive show, we actually record each segment of the show, each break in between the matches, on separate days. This show usually takes about nine days to record, and then we release it. So I apologize on behalf of Mike Mills, and I've done nothing wrong. You didn't expect that answer, did you? That doesn't even sound close (laughs) to reality and the people know it we record the segments on different days is that the best you can come up with that well that's the best i can come up with with 30 seconds notice yes yes okay i'm the most punctual person on the planet people who know me know that if i tell you i'm gonna be somewhere at 9 a.m you better believe i'm gonna be there by 8 50 i'm like the tom coughlin of wrestling podcast do you know that do you, do you know that example do you know that analogy brian last yeah that means the cons are about to fire you no, no. Okay, this is not that might have been a bad example. So <laughs> And here's why I say that. That has nothing to do with wrestling. Tom Coughlin was notorious for if he told his players they had a meeting at 7 a.m., 8 a.m. in the morning, that literally meant five minutes earlier than that, he wanted your butt in the seat. And that is me to a T. Not that I operate like that and saying that I want Brian in the seat five minutes before, but I am literally in the seat ready to roll five minutes before the scheduled start time each and every week with my notes open, with everything I need, a glass of coffee. I'm sorry, not a glass. That's a Brian last thing. A cup of coffee, a mug. Hold on. When do I say you said before a glass of coffee? I've never said that. Have I? You said that on a 605 like years ago. You were talking <laughs> it was a Star Wars. And I, and, I, and I committed it to memory because you said something about, and I thought it was hilarious because I used to work with this lady who had um one of those coffee warmers. And she would have it on her desk. And for some reason, I think she said something like, the glass is better to drink out of because it stayed warmer. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. I would think that the mug which is basically made of clay, hard clay. I don't want to get into the scientifics behind it, but the mug I thought would stay warmer. So she had this warmer and she would put the glass on it. And I, and, and she was like the only person I ever remember saying she drank out of a glass. Let me tell you another part of that. So you said that on a 605 on like a Star Wars or some show years ago. You're like, my glass of coffee is getting cold. And I was like, oh, my God, is Brian related to this lady? <laughs> then over the holidays or right before the holidays, sometimes in November, my wife came home with a freaking glass coffee mug and she's like i'm gonna start drinking my coffee out of this and i'm like what the hell is wrong with brian last and my wife so that's why i got this glass in my mind all of a sudden right now i would like to i would like to take credit for the influence over your wife buying that glass although i must have just a 
a slip of my words. I don't know if I've ever drank coffee out of a glass. Right now I have a couple of, uh, I don't know if cardboard is the right word, a couple of cardboard coffee cups. I got two cups of coffee here from my local coffee place. Sometimes I use a Rocky Mountain tumbler. I got suckered into buying this off a TV commercial a few years ago. It'll keep everything warm or cold, whatever you want, for up to a day. And it really does. I have shoveled snow and stuck it in the snow, and my coffee has stayed warm. But I can't find the lid, so I'm not going to pour it in there because I can't find the lid in the kitchen. It's somewhere. And also, when you put it in a tumbler, sometimes it changes the taste. It gets a little more metallic, uh, for lack of a better word. But I know I have two cardboard cups right here. And uh, I'm trying to see if it's recyclable, and uh, I do not see that anywhere. But if I said that in the past, I will, uh, I don't remember it, but I trust your integrity. And uh, all kidding aside, I will say, you are very punctual. You are probably one of the most easy people I've ever recorded a show with, and I very much enjoy this. Uh, The production schedule has been a bit nutty lately, especially with a lot of things popping up at the last minute that we've had to deal with. We apologize for any delays in the show. We know how much everyone loves the show, but uh, we're going to do our best to get it out on a more regular basis. But regardless of if we can do that or if there is a slight delay from week to week, the show's not going away. So anyone who's worried about this show disappearing, this is not going to be like Buck Robley in Mid-South Wrestling where one week it's just gone. The show will continue. And that's what I wanted to hear. So thank you. So let's recap all of that as we started talking about glasses and my wife's glass coffee mug, which, by the way, my wife and Brian have never had a conversation. So there's no way that unless they've got some telepathy thing going that she would know that. But I kid you not, she's drinking out of a freaking glass every damn day now. And it just every time I see that glass in the sink or in the dishwasher, I'm like, this is just bizarro world because I just remember you saying that glass thing, and then I had this coworker who drank out of a freaking glass every day because a simple mug wasn't enough. But anyway, I mean, some people drink out of mugs that say live, love, laugh, you know, all that stuff. My, my mug that I drink out of every day, for people who want to know, it just says uh, greatest fodder ever or something like that. Not fodder, not father, farter. But that's a topic for another day. Anyway, Brian broke the news. It's his fault. Stop DMing me. Stop tweeting me. I'm joking. I have fun. I like you guys on Twitter. Um, but there we go. Now we can do some Mid-South, man, now that we got all that out the way. Yeah, it only took eight minutes to go through all that, so I guess this will be a long episode here this week. But we do have a really interesting episode. There are big things happening in Mid-South Wrestling. A lot of the things that were left hanging from the last couple of weeks get addressed here. No Jim Duggan, but even though Hacksaw Duggan's not on the show, He is in the air because there are things happening with the former Rat Pack. There are things happening with General Skandar Akbar. And on that topic, let's go right to the show open because pretty quickly, we go from the desk from Boyd Pierce and Bill Watts to an interview, Reeser Bowden, and I got to say, Reeser does a pretty good job here, interviewing Skandar Akbar, and we get some news right away. News that affects Mid-South Wrestling and specifically this episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Let's go to this. Wrestling Television Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action coming your way. It'll be Wild Bill Irvin in the ring against the inevitable junkyard dog. Kelly Kaniski takes on King Kong Bundy. Hacksaw Butch Reed is here. And just before we went on the air, a consultation between Mid-South officials. A big surprise bout to tell. Bill, why don't you tell them about it? Well, Boyd, I'll tell you, I think everybody was shocked. And you know the man that's journey at the bottom of the surprise is the, the General Skandar Akbar. And he's offered $25,000 in the winner-take-all match for the Mid-South Tag Team titles. And he's got a new team. I thought it would be Kamal and the Ninja, but it's not that team. But let's listen to this pre-conference interview with Reeser Bowden. Pay very close attention to this because it's probably the biggest news you'll hear in a long time. Just shortly before taping of our television program, I was called into a news conference by the officials of Mid-South Wrestling and by General Skandor Akbar. This is a history-making news conference, believe me. As you well know, General Skandor Akbar is definitely a man of means, and price is no object when it comes to getting what he wants. Now, he has offered the largest amount of money ever in wrestling history to obtain a Mid-South Tag Team title match. $25,000 has been offered for this title match with one stipulation, 
and that is that he does not have to reveal who his team would be. Of course, I'm sure that there's a lot of speculation among the fans right now, as there was with me. I figured that surely General Skandor Akbar's team would probably consist of people like uh, Kamala and possibly the Black Ninja. Of course, $25,000 is an astronomical amount of money for one match, winner take all. Unheard of in the, in the annals of all of professional wrestling. But I feel that the culmination of this awesome team that I have put together may be the coup de grace of anything the general has ever done. And to think Mid-South is groping in the dark wanting to know who this great team is. And wrestling number two and Tiger Conway, greedy as they are, they took it hook, line, and sinker. Let me reveal this awesome team right now. And here surprise, they are. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> general Skandar Akbar, without a doubt, the most successful manager in professional wrestling. Track re record speaks for itself. Ted DiBiase is still upset with Mid-South for its handling of the Rat Pack in the title situation. My partner, Hacksaw Duggan, in my absence, took it upon himself, got a little rambunctious, and fired Matt Bourne. Ted DiBiase is the captain of the Rat Pack. And my decision is a decision that stands, and this is my decision. I admire Mr. Olympia for one very important reason. He was so loyal to his ex-partner that he gave himself entirely. You put that same loyalty Mr. Olympia, in me and Skandar Akbar, and I'll take you right to the top. Well, you know, I've learned a lot. My loyalty lies with me, but my financial agreement and loyalty lies with Skandar Akbar and Mr. DiBiase. And let me say this, the junkyard dog, everybody saw on tape that he was lying there, unconscious. I beat him. I had him beat. And in a board meeting, they had, you know, they took it upon themselves to hold a belt up and stop payment on my check, my money. Well, it's not over. Wrestling two, you're number one on the list. Dog, you're on that list. You know, I was loyal to a lot of people. I'm a man of my word. When I say something, I do it. I had to leave town for 60 long days. That's a lot of money out of my pocket. But you know, it all happened when Wrestling 2 came in here and they just kind of shoved Mr. Olympia aside. Well, DBIC is stop payment on your check. Let's stop this team. Well, there you have it, Mr. Olympia and Ted DiBiase. The contract has been signed. General Skandor Akbar did pull off a slick one. There's no question about that. $25,000 worth, <laughs> and the Mid-South Tag Team titles will be on the line. How about a surprise like that? $25,000, Ted DiBiase, Mr. Olympian, Skandar Akbar. What a crew. We'll see the reaction of Tiger Conway Jr. and Mr. Wrestling to the Mid-South Tag Champions a little bit later, but let's go to the ring. Reeser Bowden with our first bout. Well, there it is, Mike, a big interview. Reeser Bowden with Skandar Akbar, who introduces his new tag team. Ted DiBiase and Mr. Olympia, they had an agreement for $25,000 being put up that Mr. Wrestling 2 and Tiger Conway Jr., the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, would defend against whatever team Akbar could put together. And surprise, surprise, it's Ted DiBiase. And I want to get your thoughts on all this, but one thing made me think of you, because when Olympia did that interview after he turned, you pointed to the idea that he was talking about the fact that I had to leave town. I had to lose money. He came back as Stagger Lee. I lost all that opportunity. And once again, because of his actions with Akbar in the tournament, Mid-South put stop payment on the check. I guess the check from that night's wrestling matches. So it goes back to that idea of what the working man at home can understand. And certainly the last thing anyone wants to hear is stop payments. And now Olympia's really fired up. But give me your thoughts on all of this. No, you, you hit it. You nailed the, another great point. It's again, this man not only went home, but he didn't get paid for all that time. And time is money. You're trying to earn a living. You're sitting at home. You're not getting a paycheck. How fair is that to this guy? Well, he honored it and stayed home. He didn't come back under a different hood. I mean, cause he's already a mass man. He didn't come back under another hood to work. He honored his you know, not decision, but he honored the fact that he lost and thus he didn't get paid. And now they've stopped payment. So he didn't get paid again. So guess what? Now, look, Akbar is offering 25 grand, which God, I don't have that in front of me right now, but that would seem like a, that's a hell of a chunk of change in 1983. 
he's trying to make his money back that he would have lost. And something else Olympia said right there is we're talking about the fact that he lost money. He said, my loyalty lies with me, but my financial loyalty lies with Akbar and Mr. DiBiase. And it, it lies in that because that's how he's going to get his money back that he's lost all this time and all these months. So, you know, the almighty dollar goes a long way. And at the end of the day, Olympia is just, you know, at the end of the day, he's got to he's got to take care of himself. And that's a lot of money to to turn down. So, you know, give him credit there. Uh, one other thing I want to say, too, about this whole thing. I think you and I, even the first time we would have seen this, we kind of saw this coming, especially after last week and some of the stuff we've seen in the previous months with DiBiase and Akbar. You know, DiBiase, there was that interview with him and Duggan and whatnot where DiBiase was like, Oh, me and Akbar? Oh, no, nothing's there. But the way he kind of said it, you kind of felt like, no, nah, something is there. I think we saw this coming and this pack coming with Akbar being involved with DiBiase, uh, even though DiBiase kind of re refuted it back then. So that was that was on our minds and we saw it coming. But this is a this is a hell of a pack. Now, the ripple effect is, well, what does this do to the Rat Pack? Because we know how Duggan feels about that Arab oil money, his words, not mine, and that, that Arab over there. So uh, we got to see how all that shakes out. But this is a very impactful first five minutes at the top of this show. Big, 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 big news, not only with the, the subplots of it all with the Rat Pack and how's that affect DiBiase in the Rat Pack and Duggan in the Rat Pack. But, hey, we got a, we got a title match coming up later in the show, too, because of this $25,000 offer. You know, it may seem like an obvious tease, but it's been a slow tease, the breakup of the Rat Pack. And we still, you know, if you're watching this for the first time, you don't know exactly how it's going to happen or where they're going. But it's been now several weeks, that first interview with Bourne and DiBiase, where Duggan said, Teddy, tell me we're not doing anything with Akbar," And now here we are. And this is a great episode to have Jim Duggan not on the show. If it was wrestling nowadays, it would all happen in one episode from beginning to end in one two hour episode. But they're drawing it out here, and it makes you wonder what's going to happen. And that's something we always talk about this show, you and I. We talk about how the one hour of TV, and that's why the Territory Days work so well. You you literally, you know, you got four hours in an entire month of Mid-South Wrestling. That, that That's how long it takes to get through a month, four hours. With commercials, I mean, you're down to 50, 45, 50 minutes or so. Um, and that doesn't include your uh, your local promos as well. I mean, you're basically down to like 45 minutes, uh, give or take a, a, a few minutes here or there. So, yeah, that that's a big point. You know, you've, you don't have as much time to fill. Thus, you can what we call slow burn these things over a few months time. And that's what they've been doing. Think back. I mean, all this thing wrapped up together, the whole stalking with two in Olympia, the, the DiBiase, Duggan, yeah, I'll call it conflict because, you know, they, they've been like, Hey, you know, Duggan's like, Hey, Teddy, what are you doing? You know, what's going on with you and Akbar? That whole thing. This has been months. We're in the April. This started four and five months ago. There's a lot here you know, that we're unpacking and this, this, this over this long stretch of time. And that's what made it great from an episodic standpoint, because you knew each week you were going to, you usually were going to get a night, a piece of the puzzle of the story that they were telling. And that's the greater point to all of this as, as we move through these, these weeks and months here in 83. Well, from there, we go to the match that Bill Watts sent us to the ring for King Kong Bundy versus Kelly Kaniski with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Although Kaniski has typically been on the heel side of things in Mid-South Wrestling, he is the babyface here because he's against Bundy. During the match, Watts talks about how wrestlers are getting bigger, how in the past, when he first broke into the business in the 60s, Kelly Kaniski, who I think is, what, 6'2", maybe, would have been one of the bigger guys, and now, against a guy like Bundy, he isn't. Any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? I caught that point too from Watts, and I and I thought that was spot on. Kaniski is not a little guy, but you know, in there with Bundy, who's who's just massive and and round, and he's not sloppy fat. I want to make that point. Um, Kaniski just looks like you know just a regular dude, and Bundy's just huge. So uh, Watts makes a good point there. I don't have any note other on any notes other than to say Bundy closes things out with the five count again as he hit. Kaniski with the splash, and he made sure Ricky Ferrara, who stopped at three, then continued to go through five as Bundy grabbed Ricky Ferrara to say, no, count two more. Coming out of that match, we get another match. This is a match that Bill Watts says is, I think, the main event of the episode. Even though Wild Bill Irwin hasn't been around that much, it is Wild Bill Irwin versus the Junkyard Dog, Alfred Neely as the referee. For anyone listening to the last couple episodes, 
No Pee Wee Anderson this week. We're back to Rick Ferreira and Alfred Neely here on this taping. We have some audio we're going to play because there's a lot that Bill Watts wants to go over about the Junkyard Dog, about apparently Bill Irwin threatening to whip all the black wrestlers, about Mid-South putting the stop payment on Mr. Olympia's check. There's a lot for the Cowboy to recap. Let's go to this audio right now from the Junkyard Dog versus Wild Bill Irwin. Junkyard Dog. Well, I'll tell you what, he's against about a 10-foot logging chain there, and I think Bill Irwin better put his whip up. You know, he's made some remarks that really strike home to JYD and Hacksaw Butch Reed, Tiger Conway, and Rustlin' too, about after he beats him, he's going to mark him with his whip. And that's really uh, biting pretty deep, you know. Uh, that's getting down into pride and manhood, and uh, I know the Junkyard Dog was really tuned up, really looking toward to this match. He's still uh, upset with the Olympia and Agbar and Ninja situation the 21st of March in downtown New Orleans. And of course, Mid-South Sports went on the line and made a record landmark decision when they held up that North American title in that $10,000 check. And Olympia is really squawking. He's saying he won it in the ring and got it taken away from him in a, in a private meeting in the boardroom of the Mid-South Board of Directors. And Akbar's got his attorneys working on it about the stop payment of the check. Of course, when the notice was sent out, the title was held up. Mr. Olympia refused to return the check. I think that it's a brave uh, move. You know, I think anybody, if the junkyard dog got beat fair and square, or even had the junkyard dog been beaten in an unfair manner, Mid-South would not have reversed or held up the title. But the fact of the matter was... The referee, who was very addled at the time from a blow, called a pinball when Junkyard Dog was on his face, on his stomach, and it's impossibly pinned on your stomach. And therefore, when Olympia got off of him, and although the dog was unconscious, there wasn't a 10 count to give him a chance to regain his feet, neither was he checked for the sleeper position as Olympia didn't even have a hold of him. So Mid-South just said, wait a minute, hold the phone, the title's held up. And Junkyard Dog is fuming. He wants a hunk of that Olympia. I can promise you that. As does Wrestling 2. Wrestling 2 was just about beside himself because he'd had an incident where he had uncovered the plot of Mr. Olympia, the psychological warfare. And everybody here in Mid-South, myself included, tried to caution him too and say, have some patience. It just couldn't be him. You know, I personally received some tremendous letters of people that were just devastated by what Mr. Olympia did. They couldn't believe it. They just were hurt. But I, you know, I, in the years I've sat here with you, Boyd, and in the years in the ring, I've seen greed and false pride and and life do strange things to people, and they can justify almost any any angle they want to look at it. They can, they can do some of the darndest things you ever saw and just have a reason that's clear-cut in their own mind as to why it's right. Well, there you hear it, Mike, some audio from the Cowboy recapping a lot of the things happening. Of course, I guess Bill Irwin on the local promos was threatening to whip the African-American wrestlers, and that's something we haven't seen on these shows because we don't have the local promos. But any thoughts or notes about this or the Junkyard Dog? I mean, we've talked a little bit about his weight gain. It is obvious here if you compare it to a year earlier in 1982, but also his beard is a little fuller, his afro is a little fuller. Any thoughts on anything happening here? I just want to point out something Watts said that I thought was really important to this. Watts really did a good job of being very descriptive about why the title is being held up, the North American title that is, and why normally Mid-South wouldn't do that. The only reason Mid-South got involved in holding up the title and stopping payment on the check for Olympia is because of how the pin went down. Dog technically wasn't pinned. He was laying on his stomach when he was counted when um I think it was Jerry Usher counted him to three. Therefore, normally if there were shenanigans and technically he was pinned and the ref just didn't see the shenanigans and the ref counted to three, but dog was on his back when he got counted to three, then Mid-South technically wouldn't get involved in it. The only reason Mid-South, it, the office is getting involved in this decision right now is because dog was not on his back. He was literally in a, I'll say a sleeper, you know, he like Olympia is like laying on him with his stomach to the to the mat, uh, him being junkyard dog. So I thought Watts was really descriptive there about why the title has held up. And, that, and I thought that was a really, really good point there. So 
All that to be said, you know, Watts just once again just explaining why things are the way they are, and and that that was pretty much it. I, I well, one other thing, I thought the crowd was pretty quiet during this thing for a JYD match. They yeah. weren't out at all. Well, they were pretty quiet throughout the taping, and this is one of those tapings, or at least this portion of it, where the left side of the ring, there's no one there. It's just a black background because there's yeah. no chairs and there's no people. So there's a little yeah. less of a crowd than usual, but also the crowd that's there seems a bit subdued. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what was going on in Shreveport that day. Um, you know, it's getting to be springtime. Weather's getting really, really nice outside. I, I have no clue if there's anything going on in the area, but definitely a, a more subdued crowd. And it, it just makes you wonder, you know, hey, uh, was something else going on in town that day that a lot of people were at? And then two, I, I really didn't even look at the crowd to see if it, we saw some of the regulars there. But yeah, it definitely was much quieter. Espe and I say much quieter, especially for a match with JYD. I mean, we've seen JYD in in most of his matches, the crowd just very reactive to everything he did. And in this match, there just wasn't much of a reaction. And, I, you know, you could say maybe it was because they weren't as familiar with Wild Bill. I, I, don't, I don't have that answer, but I just know that the crowd, like to the point you're making, uh, smaller for one and two, just, just not as rambunctious and as loud as normal. Well, we heard earlier from Skandar Akbar and his new tag team of Mr. Olympia and Ted DiBiase. Let's now go. They're going to send us to Reese Bowden interviewing the current tag team champions, Mr. Wrestling 2 and Tiger Conway Jr. I know that uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 and Tiger Conway Jr. were a little shocked by Akbar's new team. But one thing that also surely brought a light to their eyes was Akbar's put up $25,000 to get this match. Let's hear their reaction to this challenge by Skandar Akbar. Well, gentlemen, as you have heard, I'm quite sure $25,000 has been put on the line by General Skandor Akbar in a winner-take-all match for the Mid-South Tag Team titles. The contracts have been signed. Tiger Conway and Mr. Wrestling 2 have agreed to put their belts on the line against an unknown team, but now that team has been revealed. That's right, you know, and everybody saw who it was. It's a surprise, true enough, but I'd like to say this. Akbar, Olympia, Ted DiBiase, these belts mean a lot to wrestling too and myself. Come and get them. We're ready for you. Ted DiBiase, I got one score to sell with you, and all the people know exactly what that is. You knock me out with that glove, and I tell you, I've never forgot it. And all I've been doing is waiting for an opportunity to get back at you. And this is my opportunity, and I guarantee you, I'm going to take it like I never took it before. And I'm going to bring it to you. Well, of course, Ted DiBiase and Mr. Olympia make one tremendous team, and $25,000 is a lot of money. How do you know they make a good team? How do you know? What makes you think there's such a great team? Yeah, you guys want this right here. You put $25,000 up in order to get the match. Well, that's fine and dandy with me, my friend, because Olympia, I told the people that you were the cause of all this, and I proved it. And now, sir, it's going to give me great pleasure to get into that ring, not only to defend these, not only to take 25000 away from you, but to beat you half to death. We'll have that battle for the Mid-South Tag Team titles against $25,000. But first, let's go to Reese Bowden and this next match. Mike, I love that one line by Wrestling 2. He's so fired up. He's such a great fired up promo, even though he's an older guy. How do you know there'll be a great team? And he's right. <laughs> How do you know he'll be they've never teamed up before? Great stuff there. He was wrestling too was tremendous that line that you just said how do you know they're going to be a great team because he's right they've never teamed up before at least to our knowledge you know if we're watching this territory for the first time we, we definitely have never seen them in mid-south together wrestling so that's 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 true and then two you know i with two here you got to remember we've talked about this over and over the stalking went on for months I mean, if we with that storyline, if you think about it, has gone on for months now. And we finally saw who was stalking him. And he's pissed. And he's letting us know how pissed he is and how frustrated. I mean, there's a lot of pent-up frustration there with him that he's ready to unleash on Olympia. And you felt it, man. He's looking into that camera, and you feel the energy that Wrestling 2 has and how bad he wants to get a piece of Mr. Olympia. You know, the, they're champs right now. That's not enough for him, though. 
He wants to get revenge on Olympia, and you felt it there in that promo. Coming out of that promo, we go to our next match. It is Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Frank Levert. I don't think we've seen him before. With Rick Ferreira as the referee. Butch Reed is still new to the territory. He was built up for several weeks. But this is really the Cowboys' first chance to talk a little bit about his background and who he is. So let's hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts. Hacksaw Butch Reed, a great athlete. This young man played football at Northeastern Oklahoma A&M in Miami, Oklahoma. Played two years there as a linebacker. And he played at Central Missouri State and was all-conference and all-American at linebacker. If you can imagine when you want to talk about athletic ability, at 240 pounds of body weight while he's in college, he ran a 4840. You kids think about that. That's that speed and that size going together. Look at the good height in the offseason. He was a power lifter in the 242-pound class at his college. Of course, then he played the 76-77 season with the Kansas City Chiefs at linebacker. Been wrestling pro ever since. This man is some kind of man. He's now weighs about 252. And boy, he's another one that's in the 500-pound club in the bench press. And there's just not a lot of people in that club because that's a powerhouse lifter. And Frank LeBert's going to find out he can lay that soup bone right across you, too. Arm whip. Big Frank LeVert's getting welcomed his first time to Mid-South Wrestling. What an awesome welcome to have to face Hacksaw Butch Reed. Of course, he and Hacksaw Dugan are in a battle to finally establish once and for all the superiority and the right to carry the name Hacksaw. Dugan says Hacksaw Butch Reed's a little too pretty to be a Hacksaw. And he's going to mess his looks up a little bit. Well, I got to agree with one thing, that if if looks count as being a hacksaw, Dugan is sure going to be a mean hacksaw. Whoa, did you see that cross body block? He leaped about six, eight feet in the air, top dead man. He and Dugan used a lot of similar tactics also. Dugan used a spear, and Reed uses kind of a flying body block that was more the shoulder than the head, which is more the legal way in, in pro football. The shoulder block was more legal. It's when you speared somebody with your head that it became kind of a, a projectile or a weapon out there. Well, there it is, Bill Watts, a little bit about the football background of Butch Reed. And again, we mentioned earlier, Hacksaw Duggan's not here. And even though there's certainly a tease going on that he's going to not be with the Rat Pack, well, there is no more Rat Pack, really, not be with Ted DiBiase, certainly won't be with Akbar. They're still building up him and Butch Reed, who's here as a babyface, the Battle of the Hacksaws. So it's not like, boom, he's a babyface. He's still in between. We're still trying to figure out exactly where Hacksaw Duggan stands in the general scheme of things. But, Mike, any thoughts or notes about this? Butch Reed is so impressive. He is so good, I have to say. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think the multi-directions of Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Butch Reed possibly going at it along with the, the – we have the obvious conflict now between Duggan and DiBiase and what we would assume to be the death of the Rat Pack. You've got multi-directions here, which is not a bad thing. I mean, he, they, they, we, we, we don't know, which, which is why we got to stay tuned to what's going to happen with, with all of these guys. Butch Reed, on your note about him being impressive, very impressive – I always loved Butch Reed's flying shoulder tackle, it, it, whether it came from the canvas or it came from the top rope, second rope. There was something about that move with a man his size hitting a guy, moving towards him, whether it was coming off the ropes or just to, at, in the center of the ring. There was something about when, when Reed would hit that move that it just looked really, really good. Um, you know, And it's not a hard move to pull off, but Butch Reed made it look great. On the note of Watts talking about Butch Reed playing football – if you're a big-time football fan like me nowadays with the NFL or even college football, shout-out to all of my fellow Louisiana State University Tiger fans out there for winning the national championship. I had to stop for a second and say that, Brian, because I certainly have been living on a cloud the last few weeks uh, related to an undefeated season. But related Which to is why the show has been delayed, everyone, because Mike's been out in that cloud partying up a storm. <laughs> Texas, Louisiana, no one's been safe from the Mike Mills party parade. Uh, greatest football season, greatest college football season in college football history by my LSU 
fighting tigers. Uh, but but on to the note about what Watts is saying. Uh, in my opinion, greatest season. Uh, we can debate that another time. Anyway, what Watts is saying about about Reed and what I think is a huge selling point is him of being an athlete. You know, he talks about him playing in college and then with the Chiefs. But he also mentions, you know, Butch Reed at 240 pounds ran a 4840 yard dash. Now, by today's standards, you'd be like, that feels kind of slow. Man, in 1983, when somebody said uh, a guy his size at 240 pounds ran a 4.840, you were like, damn, he's fast. He's an athlete. So keep that. Keep the perspectives in mind. In 2020, man, there's guys 240 pounds running 4.5. So it's, it's you know, it doesn't seem as fast when Watts says 4.8. But 4.8 back then, I mean, I can remember hearing that. And that was that was a pretty fast dude for, for its time. So I just wanted to make note of that. Watts putting over... Butch Reed really, really well there. And Watts mentioned something right here for the first time saying, you know, he talks about uh, Butch Reed laying in those soup bones. I always loved when Butch Reed or Watts would point out his soup bones, uh, meaning his uh, fists and throwing hands. So good stuff there from Watts talking about Butch Reed. Butch Reed wins with the flying tackle. And from there, we get the big match. Tiger Conway Jr. and Mr. Wrestling 2, the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, versus. Skandar Akbar's new team of Mr. Olympia and Ted DiBiase with $25,000 up for grabs. Alfred Neely, the referee, let's hear Bill Watts' opening thoughts on this match. Since hearing the announcement, I've been trying to reflect on this a little bit. Akbar is cunning in his ingenious method. He, ha- he dangled the bait, $25,000, but his stipulations he called a press conference with matchmaker Grizzly Smith with the champions, and he said, I'll offer $25,000 if I get the title match right here today on television, and I will not reveal the team. Well, $25,000 is a lot of incentive for a television title match, and Conway and two being wrestling champions, men that are out there to defend the title and earn their money, they snapped at the match. On thinking about it, you've got to figure Akbar's got something else up his sleeve. With DiBiase out there, just back from a tour of Japan, the Orient, and a man that has no love for wrestling too, Mr. Olympia, who we know has no love for wrestling too, and now Skandar Akbar. Also, I recall DiBiase promising Hacksaw Jim Dugan that he would have nothing to do with Skandar Akbar. It seems like DiBiase's been drawn deeper and deeper into the net of the general. Wonder what effect that'll have on the Rat Pack. You can hear the and the emotion in the crowd. The crowd was going two, two, two. Great athletes, fast moving action. Look at Conway moving. He can flat truck. And then here comes a living legend, Mr. Wrestling 2, a man who just listened to two, two, two. This is the moment he's wanted. He has been wanting Mr. Olympia since that day right here when we saw him find in Mr. Olympia's suitcase the symbolic material representing Wrestling 2's trademark that defamed and destroyed, and Wrestling 2 has been wanting to lay that knee on Mr. Olympia since that point when he was restrained that day. He was so mad he couldn't spit. That's the crowd. Two, 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 two. And he's being restrained again, Bill. He really wants him. Boy, I, I love the seat we have right here. This right now, something. Skandar Akbar, I know him too well. You know him too well. He's got to have something. Conway and Wrestling 2 have really got to be on their toes here. But if they can outsmart the general and whatever he's got cooked up, they're going to take $25,000 of his money to the bank. That's twelve five apiece. I'm telling you, that's a lot of stroke. Well, there we hear it. The opening minutes of this match with Cowboy Bill Watts. One note, Mike, before you say whatever you think about all this, I have to say I've come to really appreciate Tiger Conway Jr. a lot more since we started reviewing each episode. I've seen so much footage of him in the past, and obviously later on he was in the Jive Tones, but I really like Tiger Conway Jr. here in 1983 at this point in his career in Mid-South Wrestling. He wore a suit before in the promo. He's good in the ring. Reviewing these shows has made me a bigger Tiger Conway Jr. fan, but let me get your thoughts on this match and what's going on here. 
I like Tiger Conway Jr. I, I liked him in the jive tones. I liked him here. He's not the greatest promo guy, but for the role he's playing with two here, I think it's fine. I think he's I think he's good because two can cut those fiery promos uh, for the group if, if need be. But I like Tiger Conway, so I'd have to agree with you. And, and rewatching it, he the 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 role in the 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 spot he's filling here is fine. You know this. There's a lot of energy in this this match from the crowd. Not as much as we've seen, so, you know, sometimes before. But it goes back to what we we're saying about how this crowd is kind of they're kind of quiet. I just watched bringing up this whole thing about how DiBiase lied to Duggan when he said that you know that he had nothing to do with Akbar. Now all of a sudden DiBiase has partnered with Akbar. I just I really like Watts bringing that up and at home now we're we're we you know we were already focused on that but we're really like yeah there there's some things need to be hashed out here even beyond this match and you know Watts even says that he questions how will this affect the Rat Pack I mean in our eyes at this point we're like oh the Rat Pack's got to be dead but you know in fairness we, we have to see for sure we don't we don't know good good opening here for this match though with a fired up to coming in, laying it into Olympia as we as we get through this the opening opening minutes of the title match here. I'm curious though, do you think Mr. Wrestling Two should have been more fired up at Mr. Olympia? This is the first time they've been in the ring together against each other since everything went down. You know, he hits him with a hip toss, and it's a good back and forth match here, Mike. Like you said, the crowd is more up for this than they were anything else on the show, although still a bit subdued. It does make me wonder if maybe. There's a miking issue with the crowd because you can actually visually see them reacting better than you could hear them reacting here. But it's a good back and forth match. Let's go now to the end of the match where all hell breaks loose. Once again, the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team titles up for stake as well as Skandar Akbar's $25,000. Missed it. He went for broke. He went for the home run. Sometime when you swing for the fence. You often strike out. Tiger Conway Jr. in with DBS. Conway and Beal. Akbar getting up on the ring. Conway into the victory roll. He's got DBS. He pinned. But Skandar Akbar. Skandar Akbar drew the referee, and Mr. Olympia made an illegal save. Jumped in and kicked Tiger Conway right in the face. The subterfuge, the distraction by Skandar Akbar, a ring wise veteran himself. Referee count them both. Conway going for the tag. DiBiase tags Mr. Olympia. Can Conway get the two? Oh, that was close. Olympia cut him off, and he's got Conway in the sleeper. He's got him in the sleeper. Conway fighting that sleeper. DiBiase cheering Mr. Olympia on Akbar. Jumping up and down. The tension, the pressure mounting. They can put Conway out. Akbar's got the Mid-South Tag Titles. Two's getting the crowd to cheer for Conway. Get that adrenaline flowing. Conway fighting to his feet. He's got Olympia up. Conway did a backbreaker on Olympia. He has Olympia up. Can Conway get enough oxygen, enough strength, enough coherence to get back to his partner, too, and tag him in? DiBiase calling for Olympia to make the tag. Knowing both men are hurt, both men are groggy. Two, the fans are exhorting Conway. Olympia, gut shot, headlock. Oh, both men, both men. Here comes DiBiase, but wrestler two. DiBiase going into the tights, he's loading up his glove. But wrestling two spotted it. He's coming. He doesn't care. He's not going to let DiBiase take advantage. What did what did Akbar, Akbar on the far side? Akbar handed Mr. Olympias putting something on his foot. Mr. Olympias putting something on his foot while wrestling two is occupied the referee. He just dropped. Oh, he liked to tore Conway's head off with that drop kick. Two knee lifts DiBiase out, but it's, it's too late. It's too late. Mr. Olympia just pinned Tiger Conway Jr. That was the most devastating drop kick I've ever seen. There was something on his foot. Agbar handed him something. Look at Conway out there, wrestling two, bending over him. But DiBiase and Mr. Olympia have the Mid-South Tag Team titles. And Conway, he's unconscious, boy. He's out, Bill. Boy, he's out. A drop kick doesn't knock you out by itself. And we'll be back when action returns after this message from Mid-South Wrestling. 
A hot ending to that match, Mike. Ted DiBiase has his loaded glove. Wrestling 2 cuts him off. The fans are really into this. The fans are getting more and more into it as the match goes on. Skandar Akbar throws something to Olympia, puts it on his boot. So now we have a loaded glove. And I, I don't know if we'd call it a loaded boot, but there was something on that boot. And he hits him with the dropkick. We have new Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions. What are your thoughts on all this? All right, so you did a good job right there recapping it whole, uh, with, you know, Akbar, you know, causing some problems on the apron and then getting to his attention. And then the referee's got to get Akbar off the apron. Lots of going on, all four guys. But I want to point out what you said with that finish. Olympia loads that boot and puts whatever you can't see it because it's so far away. He puts whatever it is. It's probably just a sock on the end of his boot. And when Olympia drop kicks Conway Jr., he takes a hell of a bump for just a drop kick. Like the way he flies back onto his shoulder blades and sells it. I mean, he sells like he got shot with a cannon in the head. And I thought that made that even more impactful while that's going on. Not Jerry Usher. Alfred Neely's distracted with two and DiBiase who are over on the other side of the ring fighting. Alfred Neely counts to turns around when Tiger Conway's knocked out. Counts one, two, three. New Mid-South Tag Team Champions. Tiger Conway Jr. is still knocked the hell out in the ring. And you can tell that wasn't just a normal dropkick based on that. Really good, complicated, but great finish. And we have new, unfortunately, new Mid-South Tag Team Champions with Mr. Olympia and Ted DiBiase. And we're going to get more information about what happened there, especially the condition of Conway Jr. after the match. Because in the next match, it's Akbar again. The team of Kamala and the Black Ninja, Kendo Nagasaki versus Art Cruz and Mike Jackson, Rick Ferreira as the referee. Let's go to some audio from this match because, again, it ties in to the previous match. Well, the scales are certainly tipped in his favor, boy. You know, I'm sitting back and reflecting. Of course, we were looking and we're sitting back and viewing from afar. We were looking for what trick the general would have up his sleeve in that last bout, and uh, that gives you a big advantage over Conway and Wrestling 2, who are right in the middle of the action, fighting as hard as they could with all their heart to defend that Mid-South title to their honor of uh, the prestige given by that title and also to gain and take money from Skandar Akbar. But certainly Akbar just had one too many aces or maybe jokers up his sleeve there as he apparently handed something to Mr. Olympia Mr. Olympia put it on his foot and then drop kicked Tiger Conway Jr. and just knocked him cold. It was almost the end of the commercial break here before they got Tiger Conway out of the ring. He was he was still in Dream Street. He just uh, his legs were knees were wobbling and breaking and and uh, he he couldn't walk totally under his own power. And now here's Akbar right back out with another awesome team. You know I think one of the matches I'd like to have seen as I was saying earlier would be King Kong Bundy against Kamala. I think that would be a fantastic bout. I'm sure that Akbar wouldn't want that match, so he he likes to handpick the opponents for Kamala. Of course, uh, Kamala has found all he can handle in JYD and Mr. Wrestling 2 and Hacksaw Butch Reed and Andre the Giant, and Kamala's uh, found that these guys don't back off from him. He, he's going to have to whip them in order to beat them with the general in your corner and the black ninja who can come in and spew the green flame. And now, DiBiase and Mr. Olympia. It looks like Skandar Akbar just has it all wrapped up. It's really going to be a tough road to hoe. He's going to have the superior in numbers and size of a lot of athletes with a cohesiveness. DiBiase is a force to be reckoned with, the leader of the right back. Mike, that Mike Jackson, boy. It's just quicker than the Dickens. He can flat move around that ring. I've noticed uh, the few times he's been here at Mid-South, he always gives a tremendous account of himself against some top competition. Well, there we hear it. Besides the praise of Mike Jackson, who certainly is a very impressive undercard guy, Tiger Conway Jr., during a commercial break, wobbly legs, had trouble leaving the ring, and Akbar once again, has outsmarted everyone, and he has the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions any thoughts about what Watts said or this match, Mike? I think Watts is spot on right here. You know, talking about how, you know, all of a sudden 
I think we've seen sometimes Akbar maybe I don't want to say losing control of the I don't want to say losing control of the the heels or whatever, but you know maybe not having as much power as Dog you know JYD would fight fight off uh, Akbar's I don't want to call it army, but Akbar's stable different times throughout the last few months. But just in general, you know. I can't say Akbar's had as much power uh, as I guess is the words I'm looking for. Whereas right now, Watts is driving home the point that man, Akbar's really got it going here. You know, he's got the Mid South Tag Team Champions again. You know, he's got that going for him. Now he's got you know Kamala and Kendo in the ring, and God, these guys are they 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 are not the same as like DiBiase and and in Olympia. They're, I don't want to call them both savages, but you got a savage with Kamala and and then you've got Kendo, who's, you know, this 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 Japanese heel. It really seems like, you know, Akbar in general, he's really put things back together and he's 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 got a stable back together that's gonna cause some havoc. And I felt like Watts did a, a good job there of driving that home. And then to the point you made, how, you know, during commercial they were still trying to get Tiger Conway out the ring and he was real wobbly and just really, really messed up. One other thing, and I don't know if you're going to bring this up when you give it your thoughts on the match. There's a point in the match where Art Cruz either really made it sound like he hit the hell out of Kendo or he really hit the hell out of Kendo. And I think that was impressive whatever way it was. He, there was a a punch or something that happened where the crowd goes, oh, and Boyd Pierce and Watts react to it like, oh, my God, he cracked him. And he really did crack him. Or if he didn't crack him, it certainly sounded like he cracked him. I wasn't sure. I was going to ask you because you obviously have the experience in the ring, what you thought happened there. But certainly got a reaction from everyone. I watched it multiple times repeatedly over and over. I cannot tell if he really hit him or just made that noise with his other hand. It doesn't look like it. Needless to say, though, whatever the case, whether he actually did crack him across the head or face or didn't, it certainly sounded like he did. And the crowd reacted. And it sounded off so well that, again, Boyd and Watts erupted too. And you don't, I mean, they erupt a lot, but not for like single hits like that. And that's what I thought made it so impactful. But he caught he caught Kendo, or at least it appears he would have caught him. The angle is weird because they're behind Kendo, like literally they're they're at the back of him when when Art Cruz makes that connection. So you just can't see the connection point from the hand to the head of Kendo. So it's hard to tell if he really hit him, but it certainly sounded like he did if he didn't. Well, coming out of that match, which Kendo and Kamala win after Kamala pins Jackson. We get the debut on Mid-South Wrestling of Rip Rogers versus Randy Barber with Alfred Neely as the referee. Bill Watts talks about the fact that these are two newcomers to Mid-South Wrestling and that this is a standby match and we're checking out these guys for the first time. We're going to see what they could do. And then he points out that Rip Rogers, I think in his words, is a little weird. But what are your thoughts on this match, Mike? Are you reading my notes? Like, Because I said the same thing. Watts called Rip Rogers a little weird, which... Uh, with Bill Watts, oftentimes he he probably didn't say what he was thinking, and I don't want to go any further into it. But that's that he, he called he called Rip Rogers weird, which was kind of strange. The only other note I have is Rip Rogers wins with an inside cradle. It really wasn't much there, other than to say that hey, you know, Rip Rogers is in there. He makes his debut, and he looked good. And uh, that's all I can really say as he won his match. Well, coming out of that match, Mike, we get our final match on this week's show. Tim Horner versus another newcomer, Tony Zane, Rick Ferreira, the referee. And during this match, we get some final thoughts from Bill Watts on General Skandar Akbar's group and the Rat Pack and what's going on. TV time runs out. No winner for this match. But let's hear the Cowboy. He's not quick. He's sudden. And of course, still reflecting on that tag match. New tag champions. Mr. Olympia and Ted DiBiase managed by Skandar Akbar. Now, does this mean that Mr. Olympia has joined the Rat Pack, or does this mean that DiBiase has joined Akbar's army? This is going to be interesting. I know DiBiase was saying that uh, Hacksaw Dugan had gotten a little bit rambunctious in firing uh, Matt Bourne, and that he was back, and that he was the king rat of the big cheese, and he had to kind of straighten Dugan out. He didn't seem to think it would be a problem. He said Dugan's spirit is kind of what he likes about the guy, but I don't know. Dugan seems to be a little more in control of his spirit than anybody realizes. 
Less than a, just a little over a minute of television time remaining. Side headlock. Next week, Boyd, and I know we've been promising it for a long time, but I've been assured by matchmaker Grizzly Smith that we will have midgets. So kids of all ages, tune in as we have Cowboy Lang and Lone Eagle against Ivan the Terrible and Little Tokyo. That'll be next week also a very important match, a main event match, the main event for TV next week. Mr. Wrestling 2 will face the Black Ninja. Good move here by about less than one minute. Of television time remaining. Well, there we hear it. Bill Watts says we don't know what this means. Is DiBiase now a member of Akbar's army? Or is Mr. Olympia a member of the Rat Pack? But more importantly, next week, midgets. And, and I can't remember if next week the midgets are there or not. <laughs> I think they are. I think they really are. I think they really okay. are. I, I, I will tell you, though, someone talked about this in the mothership group a few weeks back. There is something that happens at the end of the midget match that I want to discuss with you. And I'm actually very much looking forward to not necessarily to, to discussing the entire match, but what happens to this little fella at the end of this match. And I don't mean that disrespectfully when I say little fella, I mean, he's just a, you know, he, he's a little guy. So there's something that happens. There is something that happens at the end of that match. I'm like, Oh my God, is he really messed up? We'll talk about that though. When we get to it. So I, but the, the greater point being Bill Watts has been saying this, how long now, Brian? How many weeks have we mentioned that the midgets are coming? It has to be like six weeks. It has to be. Yes. It feel, I don't know if it's six, seven, but it certainly feels like it's been that many since we've been told by Watts that they're coming. And eventually they do come. Uh, Dan Rackley uh, on Twitter, even he, he tweeted me and said, is Watts jerking our chain or, or, or something like that? Or I forget his exact words. Or, or do we eventually get it? And I'm like, no, they eventually come. It just takes a while. So uh, eventually we will get them. And it, it's going to be kind of fun to review that match in, in my personal opinion. But on the other note, Watts talking about, you know, hey, what does this issue mean with Duggan and the Rat Pack and what's going to happen with everything we've seen this week? Really, really good tease going into not only next week, but the coming weeks on everything that we'll see play out. And, you know, I guess I'll save my thoughts on the Rat Pack for another show, but I'll just say the Rat Pack was a formidable bunch. So we got to see when the end comes or if it comes with, with them and whatnot. So really, really good episode as we close things out. Even though it's a TV time expires match, we don't really get a winner like you said already. Well, with that... Another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is in the books. Want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts for classic wrestling talk and Wrestling Humor, the 605 Super Podcast. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and Booking the Territory? Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I'd appreciate it. Uh, if you don't mind football tweets and uh, especially Mid-South Wrestling tweets along with NWA uh, Saturday Night tweets, uh, I post clips of the shows that Brian and I do there sometimes uh, when it's when it's big moments like like the ones we've seen this week. So give me a follow there at Mike504Saints. And then come check out Booking the Territory twice per week at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. We are the unprofessional wrestling podcast for a reason. The jokes are terrible. It's not politically correct. If you're easily offended, yeah, you might want to stay away, but I still think you'd have some fun. Anyway, uh, two shows a week. The NWA Saturday night shows on TBS from the mid to late 80s is our Thursday night show. That's when those debut. And then we're we're actually getting close to the end of Smoky Mountain Wrestling on our Sunday night shows that debut there. Uh, we are up to, I believe, episode 179 or 80 now. So, uh, you know, everybody who listened to Smoky Mountain or watched Smoky Mountain know there's only 200 episodes. So we're literally at on the tail end of the promotion. And uh, it's been a fun ride. So check that show out as well. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash bttpod or just search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. Brian, another fun episode of Mid-South Wrestling here. We got a lot shaking out, man. I mean, we, we've, we've had a lot go on in the last six months with the whole stalking scenario and then Duggan and DiBiase. And just like Mid-South always did, man, even though they might have had some, I don't We'll call it low points, but we hit the bottom of the roller coaster. Man, we're going back up and we're speeding back up right now and getting ready to come down off of all these great angles that we've got going on. So stay tuned out there. Lots of great things happening, obviously, in this territory in the next months and years to come. 
next week, midgets. <laughs> but until then, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!